Hey, my name is Tina and I want to welcome you to the fastest growing Christian podcast in Dallas, Texas. Catch more episodes at theflawedandfree.com or you may go to any digital media streaming platform of your choice. You can find me on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and share on Facebook, Twitter, and IG at The Flawed and Free. I want to thank you for joining me on our journey to becoming happy, healed, and whole. Y'all be blessed. Free to be me, flawed, and free. Hey everybody, how are you? This is Tina, your podcast host from Flawed and Free. Thank you so much for coming back and joining us yet again for another episode of Flawed and Free, our fatherhood series. So this series, we are closing out our fatherhood series. And I have a special, special guest, which is my daddy. So he is here with us today. And our topic is fatherhood, single, surrogate, and spiritual. So as we close this out, I want to thank you guys for coming and diligently coming and listening Thank you so very much. And I will briefly introduce my father, my daddy, Skip Johnson. How are you, daddy? Oh, baby, I'm just fine. Hello. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. So today we're talking about fathers. We've been talking about our earthly fathers and our spiritual fathers. We've been comparing and contrasting the two and no better yet than to talk to my own father. So in some of the past episodes, one of the main topics or main questions that's come up was, how has your father shaped how you feel or what your current relationship is with your Heavenly Father. So tell me about your father and how your relationship has shaped your Heavenly Father's relationship. Okay. My father didn't shape my Heavenly relationship at all. Understood. Yeah. Uh, That came... uh, through Pastor Garrett and and even my adopted father, because I was adopted by my great aunt and uncle, and he was a Baptist minister, and I was brought up in the church, but like a lot of, uh, and very liberally brought up in the church, I was brought up where I was able to attend other churches, other congregations, uh, studied catechism in Catholic school. Uh, I was uh, openly exposed to other things. That was one good thing. But as a child, I still didn't develop. It was just uh, interesting. But I didn't develop a spiritual relationship until I was 40 years old. And, uh, Pastor Garrett is, is the one that turned me around and, and gave me the word. And, and I was able to find out I'd been running all this time from the wrong thing. Uh, thinking that I was doing it and conquering all on my own. And then 
realized how much the Heavenly Father had been there in my life, showing me things and bringing me down a road in my journey and that he was responsible for this journey I was traveling. I was responsible for uh, doing the right thing and and adapting and learning and doing what I'm supposed to do. But I didn't even know what I was supposed to do because I didn't have any spiritual guidance. I thought what I was doing was what I was supposed to do. Made a lot of mistakes, but I was never let down. Go right ahead. So you said, so you definitely hit right on the head with what one of the topics of the series has focused on has been um, different types of fathers. And um, of course, we've been comparing and contrasting those between how we have, have our, how our earthly fathers, my bad, have shaped us. And so your spiritual father through Pastor Garrett is as an adult is where you got most of your leadership and guidance and spiritual wisdom and direction from because that is an area that you lacked growing up. So, you know, for a lot of you guys that are listening, don't know, there's a background to your father's absence in your life. So my grandfather, which was my my dad's biological father suffered from some mental illness and depression. And he made an attempt to um, kill my father and his mother. And he was successful in that attempt. And so my dad lost his mother and his father at an early age. So my grandmother, who is my father's mother, um, did not survive that attempt. Um, and so my father did glory to God. You did because I now have life, um, because of that. So, you know, there was definitely a purpose and a reason for more than just we could probably ever know or imagine as to why the Lord saw fit to spare your life in that attempt. So my father was raised by family members, um, adoptive, adopted by family and raised by um, someone other than his natural father and his mother. So expound on how that made you feel and some of the course of your life growing up without your natural father in such a traumatic way. Yeah. Um, here's what happened. They were old. The people that adopted me, uh, born around the turn of the century. And when I say turn of the century, I mean, prior to 1900, they were born in the late 1800s. Uh, so, and they had also raised some uncles as well as my mother. So, uh, they were their, uh, aunts and uncle. So it, they were 65 years old. I'm four, you know, <laughs> big, 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 big difference. Today yeah. they would be about 132 if they were still alive. I always wanted to have younger parents, but prior to them stepping up and taking on me as a responsibility, I was shuffled 
started off with my father's sister and uh, my aunt and uncle there. And uh, that was up until my dad got out of the hospital and uh, moved here to Denver, Colorado. And then uh, it was too much for her. She didn't, she was, uh, as they said back in the day, barren. She couldn't have any children. It was too much for her to see her husband loving me as if I was his son and she couldn't give him a son. So she wanted me out the house. And uh, so they shuffled me over to those people who eventually adopted me, which had also raised my mother. It was like they, they were known to have money and be comfortable. And it was like, let them have it, you know? Mm. Uh, so I was rejected first from my father's people. And then I went over there and it was at the wrong time in their life. They were wrapping up their retirement, trying to, you know, a couple more years to go before they were retired. So my great aunt asked her sister, another great aunt, to look after me. I had big mama, which was her, and then little mama, which was this other sister that uh, lived in uh, some property that the two of them had, like 50 acres of land, a little summer retreat. But she stayed there year round. And uh, after when I got out in the country with her, she turned out to be, uh, uh, I don't know, I guess we can say in the closet, family knew about her, but she turned out to be, uh, she liked to inflict pain. And uh, that's when I got some severe beatings. I was like from three to about four and a half. Uh, that was her thing. She didn't inflict pain and then she wanted to have sex or, you know, play around is what she was calling it, you know. And so I was sexually abused with her until her sister showed up one day. And uh, it was like, oh, you know, I mean, this time I was beat so bad that uh, she fell through the screen, passed out. Uh, I was beat because I I broke a mason jar, cracked it. I didn't even break it. It didn't shatter, just cracked. And... uh, I was trying to wash it, you know, sitting up on a stool at the sink, trying to wash dishes was one of my chores. Like I said, I was about uh, four at the time. And uh, cracked the glass. Oh, little mama, cracked the glass. That's okay. I'll take care of you. She went and wet a towel in the tub, called me in the bathroom. And that was the first time I ever seen anybody spin a towel. She decided, okay. Uh, look at this. And I was looking at her spinning the towel. Next thing I found, the towel was across my face, knocked me off my feet. And between the towel and her feet, I took the worst beating I ever had in my life. She passed out. I went and got some fresh towel and, and got her up on, in my lap, brought her to like I'd seen them do on TV. You know, we had black and white TV, one station in most towns back in that time. And, uh, <laughs> She, uh, okay, everything she came to, and then it was it was time to play with her a little bit. And uh, strange and oddly enough, that same day, that later on in the day, uh, Irby showed up, and when she showed up and came, saw me, it was on and popping between them two sisters. I mean, they was it was rumbling all through the house, rum, 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 rum. She beat her down. Oh, wow. And took me away, took me to Champagne, 
that took me out of the country. But, uh, you know, she called her a few choice names and stuff. And as I look back on that, then I realized that was something that she, you know, she, you know, because she kept saying, you and the baby, I never thought you and a baby. You know, this baby, you know, she knew what was going on, but she didn't think oh, her wow. sister would mess with a child. So mm. Irby took me away from that, and then I would stay next door. That was my first time I had what you'd call a babysitter. Every day I had to go next door and hang out. And uh, then I come back home in the evening. And that was baby getting babysitted, you know. And it wasn't uh, maybe a year or so later uh, she retired, and then it was her and I, and we started traveling. She exposed me to a lot of things, you know, because like I said, it was known that they were comfortable financially. So, you know, I never was subject to anything like that again. You know. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a blessing. That's a blessing that God intervened in that situation and sent his, sent an angel in the form of, of Ur, it's Irby, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to protect you and to care for you from that point forward. And so, of course, those things are still imprinted in your mind and, um, are traumatic events that occur. And over the course of your life, they have definitely affected you um, all the way up into probably adulthood, I can imagine. So because I can I can recall, you know, growing up um, being exposed to a real militant type of style with you. Fortunately for me, I was never molested and nothing foolish like that. Um, and so some things like that, unfortunately, get passed down and attached through our bloodlines. So glory to God that, you know, that wasn't anything that you picked up to carry down. Right. Um, nothing close to that. But, um, you know, we were we've spoken before several times about things growing up and you've made apologies to me in my adulthood for things that were done and things appeared normal, if that makes sense. So sometimes you don't understand really how dysfunctional things are until you confront them as an adult. Right. Right. And, and, you know, ironically enough, my dad lived long enough uh, before he did finally commit suicide to uh, for for me to listen to him confess to me, you know, of what really happened, because nobody really knew. And the same person that it took three days to find me because they didn't know thought I was in the wreckage, the same person that went up and hunted around the railroad tracks where some people said, yeah, some people just came up with a baby down there. They found, they just thought I was abandoned because people would back in that time, people would abandon babies just like they abandon them now in hospitals. They'd abandon them out on the road like a dog. And so these people thought that they was going to take care of me and keep me. <laughs> but Irby showed up and found me, you know, and then took me to these, to my dad's people. <laughs> which ended up rejecting me and sending me back to Irby. So, right. you know, and she kept me knowing who my dad was, even though she adopted me and gave me her name. And so I kept up with him until I was, you know, grown and in the military. 
And when he thought he was on his deathbed one day, he confessed. But I had already talked to people, put the story together. Now, I didn't do that. See, the Lord did that. See, because right. I worried and wondered about that. I always wanted young parents and stuff. I didn't like them old folks. You know, I wanted everybody else had young parents. They didn't get beat like I did. The beatings did, you know, I never got kicked anymore. Irby would, would hit me with a crutch or whatever was close. I mean, you know, and I did wrong. I still got beatings, but they weren't as severe. It was different, you know. But like mm-hmm. I said, there was no, she would tell anybody, you know, whoop my, she'd tell anybody to whoop me. You know, if I got out of line, that was the way it was. Man. They talk about the village racing. <laughs> racing. Right, yeah. right, right. You know, they believed in that to the extent you whoop his butt, you see him doing it wrong, tear his ass up, you know. <laughs> and, that, and and then send him home. And, and when you, that happened, you got another whooping, you know. <laughs> you know, it wasn't yeah. nothing, you know, for me to get three whoopings in the course of a day at any given time. But I had a lot of love there, too, you know. And okay. and that's the one thing that I did continue to carry and let grow. I I I I just I was always loving, and yeah. I always loved. I love deep, you know. But then you know when I get upset and 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 want to fight, man, it's like hell. Back in the day, I was something, you know. And yeah. yes, you know, I was when it come down to you know loving your children and raising them. And stuff, and you lived under my roof. You went by roof. You went by my rule. I, I tore your butt up, but I was too. I was excessive with that. That was being carried over from there, because you know you taught me. You know that I really. You know I had you. I I had to be worse on you than I really wanted to be because of the certain situation at the time. You know. Yeah. But, uh, hey, I just thank God that we've been been able to. You know, bring this all together and, and come full circle. I have some understanding about how Christ has played the part in my life. And through it all, you know, I've managed to have you there. And you've, you know, from uh, your spiritual guidance that you've received, I always kept you around, you know, good, good women. You know, I always kept you around that. But, you know. Your your last mama was was the ringer, you know, as far as your spirituality was concerned, because you were able to get it, you know, to have that solid foundation. And it's carried you right on through adulthood. And she's been there with you right to the moment. So, uh, yeah. you know, yes, we received a lot of blessings, you know, through our journey in life. And I'm just glad that uh, we have come full circle. And it's where it is at, at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, it's it is definitely a blessing. Um, and talking about fatherhood and speaking to so many people that grew up in 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 homes without a father, absent fathers, or maybe fathers that were in the home but not active, you were definitely a father that was present in my life at a young age. Uh, I went to go live with my father at around four or five years of age. I think I can remember um, it was my birthday. Day before your um, birthday. It was my fifth birthday because I remember celebrating my birthday in that Ruby Tuesdays and um, getting ice cream and that sort of thing. And there's some history behind that as well. We won't go full in detail with that. But my mother enlisted the support and the help of my father um, 
for a number of reasons. And so I went to stay with my father, which was perceived to be temporarily and turned into a permanent situation um, where my father raised me throughout uh, my childhood all the way up to around 16 years of age. And so that spirit of rejection um, and abandonment is where some of those seeds were planted at that time when you um, made a decision to divorce my then at that time, my stepmother at the time. And I remember coming home from school and you had a U-Haul packed outside and, <laughs> and, um, and I remember being a little confused um, because it appeared to be sudden. I do remember, um, you know, you losing your job and going through what I would perceive now as an adult, you know, a bout of depression because you were having trouble getting another job. And the pretense of you leaving was to find work and leave the current relationship that you were in. And so, um, you know, I think that was kind of that seed was planted in me at that time. And I felt uh, abandoned. I felt abandoned. I was like, I already was struggling with some of the relationship that I didn't have with my biological mother, even though I had my stepmother at the time um, that was a part of my life and very much contributory towards uh, the woman that I became, there was still uh, some disconnect even there um, because I believe a lot of what I experienced from her um, was necessity and love. Um, but, you know, I believe there were some areas of her life where she was still growing, but yet broken. And you the same as we all are. You get what I'm saying? So it's not like um, any of us or even in this place that I'm in now as I have evolved. You know, we're still all climbing from broken, traumatic areas of our lives, working to be the best that we can possibly be. So it's, it is fortunate that as you mentioned, your spiritual father at that time, which did plant and lay the foundation in my life for um, how to grow as a young woman of God and then watching your growth along the way. So, yeah, that was, that was a tough time. That was a real tough time. That was, that was the beginning of a lot of good and not so good, you know, um, in my life, I went through a number of challenges from probably 16 to the age of 26. I'm just going to kind of, I'm roughly throwing a number out because I, I keep, for some reason, recalling like a 10 year time frame where I kind of struggled with some of the, um, growth. And not really having the guidance, the wisdom, the direction that I think that I needed. But God still, you know, carried me through. Thank God um, through that time. Mm -hmm. Covered you through all of that. Yeah, he did. He really, really, really did. Because, um, of course, hindsight is 20-20. But, um, you know, 
at that time, looking back, I can see where a lot of the anger, rage, some of the bitterness and, and grew and festered over my life. I, I fought a lot then in those years. And I just, and didn't understand because it, it just seemed normal. You know, it just seemed, it didn't really seem, it was like I was fighting from like, in like a survivor kind of mode. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think I ever gave it up. Like literally I became more adaptive and I think I gained more knowledge as the years went by, not spiritual wisdom, um, but just kind of natural wisdom from all of the mistakes in the air and that I was making over the course of time. I, but I still was very much immature spiritually and could not see nor understand and receive the full knowledge and the revelation that God wanted me to have up until um, the latter years of my life leading up to today. And as recent as in the last year, and most of my growth has been since one of the most traumatic experiences of my life, one, um, which would be uh, my divorce and the trigger of that abandonment and that spirit of rejection that led me into another growth spurt in my life. So, you know, <clears throat> fortunately for me, um, God saw fit to assist me by sending people and into my life that had the spiritual knowledge, wisdom to allow me to grow spiritually where I was no longer a babe, babe, babe. In Christ, and He has continued to expose those deep, dark things that I never understood that affect me and how I parent my children. So it's it's definitely been quite a journey. It's been quite quite a journey, and realization and revelation. And I discovered that I was a tyrant, that I was a tyrant, that I was a bully of sorts um, with people, certain relationships. Uh, I was unable to fully find the balance and where my feminine energy lied and some of the masculine energy lied. And some of it didn't just all come from you. Some of it actually came from um, passed down through my mother's side of the family. Mm-hmm. And then some of it I added all by myself. So the testosterone and the trauma and all of the things rolled up into one that gave me maladaptive ways to cope with my emotions trickled down into how I treated my children. Mm. 
And it wasn't until most recently that I discovered that this was a barrier. This was a huge barrier in what God was trying to do in my life. And that I had to instantaneously get that right to get that right. And it came with a lot of tears, a lot of apologies. Uh, it was the hardest thing to date that I've had to face within my own self through self-reflection to look myself in the mirror and know that I had accomplished so much in life based off my work. I had always sought to achieve, to be the best in this area, in that area. I've gone to school and I have four degrees. And so a lot of my work and accomplishment was based off of a reward system because I received most of my attention from my reward, from the reward of accomplishment. And my children were an accomplishment. My children were, um, um, you know, they needed me for more than for me to just be the provider and the protector. And they needed me to be the nurturer and the healer as their mother. And I felt as if, you know, I'm here, I'm present. My parents weren't there, you know, it was right. like they were there, but they weren't there. And so, you know, be happy that I'm here. Um, I felt like, you know, as long as I was paying the bills and providing and putting them, putting them in great schools and putting them in good environments and a nice home that, you know, that was more than enough for them to know that I love them. And I actually would tell them I love them and I do love them. Um, but I did struggle for many, many, many years up until recent full, complete, total deliverance, um, where God showed me the error and, um, by using someone very close to me, uh, shout out to my sis, Lily, um, who confirmed and affirmed things that I knew that God had been re- exposing and revealing to me. And through further prayer, um, he made it very clear, uh, where the root of it was revealed the root and it went way down into childhood from you um, through some of what you experienced. And the enemy wanted me to keep that. He wanted his whole goal and mission was to continue to destroy my bloodline. Right. So I thank God for it, though some days I said, oh my gosh, why did it take this long? Why has this struggle been so hard? And, you know, it's hard to know what you're dealing or struggling with or what you're, what demons you're really fighting until you call them out by name, you know, mm-hmm. and so scripture even, you know, references where, you know, demons were, Jesus had cast demons out and he told them, you know, not only do you do this in my name, but you have to know what they are. You got to know and you got to not be afraid, you know, of the truth right. because the truth will set you free. 
No doubt. And so a lot of us, I believe, are hiding from the truth because these are things that are deep and dark and hidden. And we don't want to expose the truth because the truth really makes us look at ourselves. It really makes us look at who we're not and not for what we are. And not that we can't become anything better, anything bigger or anything greater, but we got to go back to the foundation of it all. We got to go and talk to our parents and grandparents and great grands if we're fortunate enough to have them in our lives and discover and peel back the layers from the hidden things. Because that's where you find true liberty and true freedom and true deliverance by confronting the truth, exposing it to the light and dealing with it. That's what this is all about. That's right. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. it, it it brought my dad around, you know, yeah. when I swung it back to him and let him know that, you know. I've known all all along, and even then, prior to Pastor Garrett, I understood enough about forgiveness. And you know, he was like, "Well, if anybody's got a reason to hate me, it's you." And I'm like, "No, it's no hate here." You know, whatever went on at that time in your life between you and my mother, that was what it was. I just thank God that she loved and trusted him enough. And I said that then to throw me out of that car into his arms. And that's exactly what she did. And he's had a covering over me because I've come a journey. I've done wrong, 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 long time in my life. But uh, <laughs> he was always there. And then I've seen so many times, and we're not going into my testimonies, but, right. uh, you know, so many times I know that. You know, he affirmed things to me, you know, and I know. (laughs) So, you know, uh, Deacon Carter used to say back there, my Zion progressive Deacon Carter, he he used to say, when you know, you know. He said, this is what John tells you, when you know, you know. And, uh, you know, we was like, how do you know when you're saved? You know, you know. Yeah, when you know Christ, you know, and and I know because I know what He's done, and I know how He's moved, and I've had, you know, and since I've had guns put in my face, you know, but the trigger never got pulled, so I know who I walk with. You know, an old friend of mine, good like a brother, used to say, "I'm rolling with the ghost." I like that. If there, I have an, another. If there is one thing, one thing that you could have changed as a father, um, growing up, good or bad, whichever you'd like to speak on, what would that be? If there was one thing I could have changed, as far as my children is concerned, and how I raised you, uh, I'd have talked to you more. That thing that I was raised in the old, old school, you know, kids were to be seen and not heard, you know. Um, yeah. 
I got popped when I asked a question. They thought I was talking back. <laughs> they would say something. I didn't understand what they said. And I said, well, mama said, oh, you going to talk back? And, and that was a pop. You know, like, oh, so you got to watch how you say anything, you know. Well, right. in my, my case now, you know, I look back. Uh, I, I did the best that I could under the circumstances. I was calling myself doing great. And I definitely wasn't doing great. <laughs> Not all the time was I doing great. Yeah, every little spurts of greatness, hopefully, but no, not all the time. And that was because I didn't talk to you. Like you said, uh, you come in and you come home from school and you see this U-Haul pulled up. To the tr- you don't know what's going on. In the, you right. don't know what's going on in the family. Include the children in on what's going on in the family. You know, uh, you only knew if there was, you know, a, a little spurt of anger with, you know, oh, something wasn't right between uh, me and, and the spouse, you know, but you were never included in on anything like that. And there's a way you bring kids and you sit, we sat and we would eat, but we wouldn't talk, you know, I mean, yeah. talk, talk about, you know, we talked about, well, well your grades, <laughs> you know, and like you said, when you did real good, you got such special attention at that time that gave you the, the, the strive to go, you know, and that was always really asked of you. And uh, so therefore talking, you know, communicating, you know, your people, you know, when you're little, you know, children are not adults, but they're human, they're people and they have personalities and you have to get into them and know them and deal with them around their personalities that are developing and make sure that they don't develop all negative personalities because the only thing positive that you're throwing up there is negativity when things are out of line. You you can't run a home like you run a military base, you know. Yeah. And you said that you've, you know, and I know you've experienced the military life because of your husband was in the military and still is. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, ex-husband. I met your husband. Yeah, you're right. I do it, no worries. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and you've got to have, uh, hmm, let me see what I'm trying to say, organization. <laughs> you need to have some kind of organization. Yeah. But it's not military organization you need. You know, you right. need to have organization under the guidance of Christ. You know, right. and what everybody's position to, is there, you know. And one thing is loving, loving, loving. Uh, yeah. you know, loving, loving, loving. Uh, that's the most important thing that you can do is you can't never love your children too much, you know, and they've got to understand and feel that 24 seven in spite of, and not be afraid to make mistakes, you know, not, yeah. not just ties to the, to the extent that they're afraid to make mistakes. Right. Which is, which is, which is a culture that I think I picked up on growing up and passed it down. Right. And now that I'm in, I'm beyond and in the, you know, that, but I'm in the midst of correcting it. Right. I'm understanding that the order doesn't have to be offensive, right? The organization that you speak of right. doesn't have to be in an, 
defensive way. And so and learning how to correct and love and to rebuke and love. And that is what the Lord has been teaching me through other people, through um, um, mentors and coaches or or sisterhood um, in spirit. He's been teaching me how to correct and love, how to rebuke, because that's what he does t- for me. Right. And so everything was with such an iron fist. It was like, okay, it's out of order. So I have to, I have to, in an authoritative way, in a dominant, in a dominating way, in an intimidating way, gain order by instilling fear, you know? And that's what was done to me. Mm-hmm. That was what was, I mean, you know, that's what you did. Mm-hmm. And so for many, many years, I thought that that's how you gain respect. I thought that's how you gained understanding from mm-hmm. people like, oh, no, 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 no. You, you don't understand. You, <laughs> right, right. You know, right. like, this is unacceptable. Let me show you how unacceptable this is. And mm-hmm. so I would respond with, with mass rebuke in an intimidating sort of way. Right. And did not understand that that's not how you maintain relationships. And that's not how, you know, you should correct. You have to figure out a way that where to where you can maintain your respect, not just only within yourself, but for those you're trying to gain respect from. Mm-hmm. And that you don't do it by being intimidating or being the biggest and the baddest on the playground. Right. You know, by barking the loudest or by speaking the loudest or by in a prideful way or in, you know, and so did not understand that all of these maladaptive responses that I had learned over the years were wrong, dead wrong, all the way wrong. <laughs> Wasn't nothing right about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, scripture says, you know, what what may seem right to a man, it's not always right. right. You know, and so, you know, that the truth of the matter is what seemed right to me, because whether it was because of what I grew up learning and understanding, where, wherever it came from, it wasn't until I understood Okay, what I've always believed and received, whatever and however those messages were implanted in my brain from society, the world, experience, trauma, that they were not right. Right. And so ignorance is where darkness lies. Right. And so whether it's spiritual ignorance or natural ignorance, Either way, it's, it's not of God. So as God again has exposed those areas and he's brought those things to light, I can now deal with them in a more adaptive, responsible way. And I can now know what to pray against. Mm-hmm. So and and use that as the platform and the foundation to change what I've known and make something different for my kids to follow by example. Right. And 
I am telling you, I, the day that that happened, I had to literally go to every single one of my children and I did it individually. God had led me um, this day after prayer and repentance and asking God to forgive me for just not knowing, you know, and for even the times that I knew and I tried to do something different, I just didn't know how. So I had to surrender the fact that I don't know everything and I need your help and your guidance to get me through. And so um, the scripture that I had just made reference to, I wanted to uh, specifically, just in case you may want to go check it out, it's Proverbs 14, 12. And Proverbs 14, 12 says in the New King James Version, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Mm. And the truth of the matter is that you might think that you're doing something right because this is what I know. This is how I was raised and I seem to turn out all right. So I'm looking at the works of my life. I'm looking at the accomplishments of my life. I've done more than you or I've gone further than you. Um, that spirit of comparison can hurt you in more than way, more than ways that you can possibly imagine. So, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being the man that you've been. And thank you for being the father that you are today and the grandfather to my children. So I'm going to tag out and I want to tell you all to be blessed in love and be free to be you. As I say, free to be me, flawed and free. Y'all have a good one.